Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left, as always, for today's special episode of TCCP is none other than everyone's favourite, Nottinghamshire-based, Yorkshire-supporting, comms intern extraordinaire, Mr Matt Wiley. So Matt, first things first, mate, obviously an absolute pleasure to welcome you back onto the podcast. It's been a while, actually, since we've we've recorded an episode together. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Oof, these introductions are getting harder and harder to live up to, mate. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> I've been really, really good, thank you. A uh, bit warm, but uh, yes, really good. I've been travelling back from Bristol uh, after the Nazi end there yesterday, and then, uh, yeah, just looking to make the most of the nice weather now, really. Well, yeah, we've got another heatwave, haven't we, in store for this weekend. I'm at Edgbaston tomorrow for the Sussex game in 33-degree weather, I believe, in the second city. And then Sunday at Grace Road. It's been three years since I've been to Leicester for a game of cricket. I don't really want to touch upon what happened last time, but Colin Ackerman did take seven for 19 (laughs) world record figures. That was not the, the most pleasant car journey home to the West Midlands, but I do love Grace Road. I love Leicestershire as a club, and I think that's going to be a fantastic day. It is the club's community day. Tickets are only £1. If you can get yourself down to Grace Road on Sunday, the 14th of August, please, please do support the boys and maybe support the Bears as well whilst you're at it. But talking of the Royal London One Day Cup, that is, of course, what we are here to discuss in today's show. Now, before we get into the main chunk, the main analysis, as we always do in these review shows, I just wanted to kickstart this Maiden show a little bit differently. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Royal London One Day Cup as a tournament and list day cricket and what it means to me as a county fan. And Matt, obviously, I want to get your opinion as well. But in 2009, I won tickets to a Warwickshire game. It was a Pro 40 match at Edgbaston, Warwickshire versus Glamorgan at the the Hallow Turf, my home ground, the Fortress, Edgbaston Cricket Ground. Now, that meant the absolute world to me. The game itself was a washout. It lasted only 18 overs. I didn't actually see Warwickshire bat, but I did get to see Herschel Gibbs, which was massive, you know. As a cricket fan, that was fantastic to watch. Such a masterful opener, doing what he does best, scoring runs for fun. But List A Cricket, for that reason, has always held a very, very special place in my heart. It was the first cricket I ever got to experience and, and witness live in a cricket ground. And in the years that have followed, again, this is very much from a Warwickshire perspective, but I think back to the 2010 CB40 at Lords, Ian Bell scoring 107, the Bears winning the trophy. Then we had back-to-back heartbreaks in 2012 and 2014 against Hampshire and Durham, respectively. And then 2016, and this is not hyperbole, this is not over-exaggeration, this really was one of the greatest days that I've ever had as a cricket fan. The 2016 Royal London One Day Cup final at Lords. Jonathan Trott scoring 82, the best skittling Surrey out for 120 runs and winning the competition by eight wickets at the home of cricket. Now, as we all know at the moment, the Royal London One Day Cup is almost being belittled and berated as a second 11 and a development competition. But this competition has got so much history, so much heritage. And to fans like me who have been brought up On all three formats of cricket, it still means the absolute world and will continue to do so for many, many years to come. So that's just something I wanted to get off my chest, really, for this episode. Matt, do you have anything to add in terms of of your perspective and your thoughts, actually, on this year's Royal London One Day Cup? 
no, I think you've covered it really well there, mate, to be honest. It's, I have the same feeling. Um, it's very much a competition that it feels under threat, I think, doesn't it? it you, you've got that kind of sense of a little bit of foreboding about where its future lies, um, it, especially in the current context of the cricket, of, of, all, of all the formats that it finds itself in. But it shouldn't be that way. It needs to be honoured and it needs to be protected. And like you say, it can produce some brilliant moments. It, if you think of it almost, I mean, all three formats can produce some really tight games. But if you think of it almost, you know, the way that it's elongated T20 in a sense that, you know, you can get bigger targets and bigger totals and then condense that down. And it's even more, you know, tighter for longer. And it, 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 there's a lot of storylines that can come out of an individual game. And yeah, it's, I think the fact as well that the 50 over game at international level is getting a lot of conversation around it with Ben Stokes' retirement. I think that's only added to that foreboding that I've talked about. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a nervy time for it, I think. But I think we're both in agreement that it shouldn't be. And it does need to be protected because of the quality that it can give. Absolutely, Matt. Well, obviously... I echo those words, and I think a lot of county fans will echo them as well. It's an incredibly special competition, which means the world to to all of us. And it's funny you mention about the ebbs and flows of 50-over cricket, because it is very early days in this year's tournament. But one of the games I was at, at the Oval, on Sunday the 7th of August, between Warwickshire and Surrey, 293 runs, played 293 runs. It ended in a tie. Now, that has added at least a decade to my hairline. It really has. I was incredibly stressed towards the end until Liam Norwell clean bowled Matt Dunn in the 50th and final over. But that was an outstanding game of cricket. And there is no better segment, actually, into our discussion about Group A and standout batting performances, really, than the performance that we saw in Taunton yesterday, where Ben Green put together an unbelievable 157 from 84 balls against Durham in a bona fide thriller at the Cooper Associates County ground. Now, just to give this knock some context, 84 deliveries, 10 of which went to the boundary for four, and he also hit 12 sixes. And we're not talking just going slightly over the rope. They were massive. They were heading essentially into the river and out of the ground. Ben Green really was having the the innings of his life out there yesterday. He was striking at 186.9. Now, guttingly, and it really was gutting for Somerset, ultimately, it came in a losing cause. The West Country outfit ultimately went on to lose by nine runs in the 50th and final over of the game. But Matt, just a few words on this unbelievable knock, this superhuman effort from the Somerset captain. It was so captivating, brilliant to watch. Would you say... That is the knock of the tournament in 2022 so far, because I would say it is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got some fairly stiff competition, hasn't it? But the fact it has, that, yeah. and the fact that it was so kind, of, the fact that it was so swift, that it was so dominating as well, like you mentioned about the batting there, the, uh, the size of the sixes going out the ground. It's it's hard to, you know, for an individual to display that amount of dominance over a bowling attack, and you know, I think. The, the way that, you know, he, he almost led Somerset um, pretty much not far off on his own to uh, to get him within 
that Durham total, I think it was, yeah, really, you've, you've got it. You've got to give it full credit for what it was. Um, I mean, when you talk about kind of higher scores, there have been higher scores, but there haven't been any that were scored at that strike rate. So I think for that alone, that's where the credit comes from. Absolutely, Matt. So I think for me personally, I would give it the crown of, of being the best knock of the 2022 RLODC so far. But as you did say, it's got a lot of competition. Actually, from Group A itself, we saw at Radlett yesterday, Steve Eskenazi, who, by the way, in my opinion, criminally underrated cricketer. Criminally underrated. The stats speak for themselves. He's having an unbelievable tournament. He had a great T20 blast. He even scores runs in, in Red Bull cricket as well. But that 182 against Surrey at Radlett Cricket Club was a knock of the very highest order. The highest ever individual score as well in Middlesex County Cricket Club's List A history. So Steve Eskenazi, unfortunately this week, I would say that Ben Green would take the pinnacle in Group A. But I had to give that a mention. It was an incredible knock from, as I said, a very, very potent and very talented cricketer indeed. But aside from standout batting displays then, Matt, let's have a look at standout bowling displays. And this is going to be interesting, actually, from Group A this week, because there's a couple to choose from. I'll just give you mine to begin with. First and foremost, we saw Sonny Baker, one of the most electrifying talents in England and Wales right now, just 19 years old, is the Devon-born seamer. He took six for 46 against Durham. And something which really impressed me at such a tender age was his control. I thought his changing of his line, his lengths, he was utilising the short ball very well as well. He, he really does look like a complete package, doesn't he, Matt? He really does, yeah. And I think, to be honest, it's not often that you'll get, within the same game, two members of the same team, one scoring 157 and one taking 6-46, and that team's still losing the game. It's mm. pretty pretty remarkable in that sense, isn't it? Uh, but no, he, he really does, yeah. We've, we've seen his name just keep cropping up. He's, he's building a name for himself. And Somerset do do that to their credit incredibly well. We've seen that repeatedly over a number of years quite recently where they're bringing through good young talent. And I think as a result of that, it's not really a surprise to see them being able to flourish in, in the one-day cup in this competition because of those solid foundations that they've built. They get a lot of plaudits for it and deservedly so. So, yeah, I, I think Sonny Baker is, is, is the latest in a long line, but he's deservedly in that Somerset first team and should go on to bigger and better things. Well, I would completely echo those words. 19 years old, Sonny Baker. He has been injured for most of this season, but fit and firing once again. And when he's in that kind of form, when he's got the rhythm, the confidence, he is one heck of a prospect. Honestly, remember the name. I don't want to throw out that, that cliche Ian Bishop line from the 2016 T20 World Cup final, but... He is a serious, serious prospect. And Somerset fans, you should be very, very privileged and lucky to have him on your team heading into 2022 and, of course, the years beyond. Really, really impressed with him this week, as you can tell by the tone of my voice. And in terms of someone else, actually, Matt, who, who is a little bit older, fair enough, he plays for Holland, as opposed to the Sonny Baker, who's from Devon. But Paul Van Makeren, he took 5 for 48 against Sussex in Hove. And the reason I've given this a mention in this week's podcast is because in the previous game, Gloucestershire's season opener against Warwickshire and Cheltenham, he was getting absolutely hammered to the fence by the likes of Michael Burgess and Dom Sibley. He went for a lot of runs. To come back in the very next game, 
take five wickets and a combined rate of 4.8 runs and over. I just thought that was worthy of a mention as well. Because to have that bounce back ability in list day cricket is difficult at times. So that reason, I've gone with Paul Van Makeren as my honourable mention. Would you agree with that, Matt? Or has someone else taken your eye in in this first week of fixtures? I would agree with that, yeah. I think Van Makeren was quite impressive. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned that kind of bounce back ability. I think that was quite impressive and on display against um, not yesterday in Bristol. His first four overs went for 37, you know, quite quite expensive by anyone's standards. And his, his overall figures did make for quite expensive reading at the end of the game. But he came back and he took three wickets as well, which, you know, he was pretty much integral to lowering the Nottinghamshire total. That's something that Gloucestershire could chase, really, along with the rest of the attack. So he, you, you're absolutely right, he does deserve a shout-out. But I also think we've got to mention Umar Yadav, haven't we? Um, also against Durham, just like Tony Baker, uh, for Middlesex and 5 for 33. That's, you know, that's a, a very good return by anyone's standards. Um, yes, again, you know, it's just the street. Maybe it's a little bit more bowler-friendly conditions, but it's still with a white ball, which, again, you know, you're not going to extract as much of the, of the movement um, and the zip off the surface as you would with a red ball. So, it's, you, you know, you your skills have got to be on point to do that. So I think, yeah, to go up to Durham and kind of exploit their conditions that they're used to and, and take a 5 for uh, definitely, definitely deserves a mention as well. 100%, Matt, 100%. And again, it's good, isn't it, actually? Because we have seen in Group A this week some outstanding batting displays. I'll go back to that 157 from Ben Green. I'm still not over it, to be honest. If, if, he, would have, if he would have completed that and got the job done, that would have been the greatest heist in history. Forget the Italian job or the great train robbery. That would have been the absolute utmost heist in the history of, of mankind. It was outstanding, to say the very least. But not only have we had those, those brilliant batting displays, but the bowling as well. There's clearly a lot of bowling talent as well in this year's competition. And Group A, if I may just say so myself, we'll get onto the table in due course, but it's looking very, very competitive. I do think the race for the top three is going to be very close in this year's competition. But aside from individual performances then, Matt, let's go on to what might be the most interesting category of the show this year, and that is the standout under-23 player, because there are so many options to choose from. We've mentioned Sonny Baker. He isn't actually my choice this week, but he would definitely be an honourable mention for Somerset in this week's round of fixtures. Before I reveal my choice, Matt, who would you go with? as your standout under-23 player of week one? Well, yeah, like you said, there's so many to choose from, and that's a, a crowning thing, I suppose, for this competition in its current format, that there are plenty of young players that are able to stake their claim. Um, but the, the, the big one that I think you've got to look towards is Ben Wells down in Gloucestershire. And a chance to see him a little bit yesterday for, uh, for Gloucestershire in Bristol against Norts. Um, but his 76 that he got um, against Warwickshire, unfortunately, I know... Uh, that's not exactly going to go down too well in your mind, is it, mate? But no, he's just, um, he, hits, he hits with such power, I think, as well. Um, I will be honest, I didn't get a massive chance to see him um, against against Nottinghamshire. But it's fairly clear, I think, that when, he's, when he gets into his flow, that he really can strike it. And this not might have been at Cheltenham, which, again, you know, it's an outground, I suppose you've you can maybe you have to sort of scale it up for, for the first for the first class ground, but you know, there's still there's still the the balls there to be hit and to send him over the boundary like he did 
And I'm sure you've talked about him in, a little bit in the past as well, mate, in terms of his sweeping and comparing him a little bit to uh, Will Smead, who, you know, another another Somerset youngster there who is rapidly developing. But it's just, yeah, that I mentioned it with Ben Green. The, the domination, the bowling attack and the ability to score at such a high rate, there's a lot to be said for that. And, yeah, just um, to, to do it against a team like Warwickshire, you know, they're, they're another one. Uh, with, with a strong academy and you know good squad depth, so yeah. And when you're opening, when you when you're opening as well with someone like Chris Dent, you know somebody who's been there, done it, and seen it all a lot. You've got to you know you've got to shine really brightly to outshine him, basically, haven't you? And I think that's to be fair, that's what he did. So I think he's definitely one that's got a bright future. He definitely is, Matt. I'm a big fan of Ben Wells. I've got to say, if we're looking at his overall stats so far across the four games. He hasn't been striking massively, actually. He's been striking at 92.66, but that knock against Warwickshire, the 76, really was Ben Wells to a T. Power, power, more power. It was a lightning-fast outfield at Cheltenham, but he just punished the Warwickshire bowlers. Anything on the leg side was being dispatched with complete and utter disdain, and something which I mentioned, actually, on Twitter during the NCCA showcase games, the National Counties matches, he loves a switch hit as well. Ben Wells, we haven't quite seen it just yet in the Royal London One Day Cup, but he really does possess a great air of innovation and enterprise to his game. So Ben Wells, great shout, Matt. I must say, I am a big fan of his game. The young cricketer from Bath, I think he's 22 years old, set to be 23 next year, so does come under this category. Yeah, I like that choice, I must say. And talking of another 22-year-old who I chose as my standout under-23 player for this week, he has only played in two matches, but I've got to select Rob Yates. Now, Yates has had a really tough county championship. We know that. You can see the stats for themselves. He's been averaging less than 20 for the Bay and Ragged staff in first-class cricket in 2022. But he's come back just so seamlessly, so effortlessly. He was scoring big runs in the second 11 for Warwickshire. And first game of this competition, statement 87. It really was an outstanding knock. I was gutted when he got out. Absolutely gutted for him because he deserved a ton he really did he was absolutely nailing the ball to all corners in Cheltenham and then he followed that up with an excellent 54 at the oval again he looked so comfortable at the crease I thought all oh, three figures he's going to get there surely this time and then he just hooked one went straight up in the air and he was out for 54 but Rob Yates again he might have had a tough season in red ball cricket but he is a prospect and a half for Warwickshire County Cricket Club. He just needs to be backed. We always say this about openers and top-order batters in general. It is the toughest place to bat. Of course it is. You're facing fresh bowlers. You're facing a new ball. It's swinging. There's lateral movement. But I'll tell you what, with Rob Yates, he's got grit, he's got fortitude, he's got character, and he's got some very, very good shots at his disposal as well. So Rob Yates, the Mosley maestro, he'll be my selection for under-23 player in Group A this week. But aside from under-23 players then, Matt, let's go on to our fourth and final category for Group A this week, which is, of course, Team of the Week. Now, there's multiple sides which we could select for this prestigious honour at the end of Week 1. But who have you selected as your County Team of the Week at the end of this week's round of fixtures? Well, yeah, this, this is a bit of a difficult one for me because, obviously, if I just go straight in for the team that currently sits at the top of Group A, then I get accused of... Uh, various, I don't know, 
nepotism, favoritism, call it what you will. Yeah. Um, but I think the good thing for me is that, yes, Nottingham's at the top, but there's so many teams that are right at the top there and joint on, on points. There's nobody who's won all three of their games or um, all, of, all of the games so far. So, you know, maybe that means that it's quite competitive and uh, it just means that I can not pick Nottinghamshire and look look as though I know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I am going to go for Middlesex because of it's, it's tough to pick a team based on the actions of one individual. But I think when you've produced a player like Stephen Eskenazi, a player that can score 182 and 146 not out in the same week, you deserve a lot of credit. You really do. And... I know that that's not... I know, obviously, they haven't produced him in one week, don't get me wrong, but they have produced him to the standard that he's able to score both of those in one week. And I think that, in itself, deserves a lot of credit. It really does. And, you know, they've they've got that similar record, identical record with not one, two, lost one, so they're right in the conversation for top. And I think, to be honest, the, you know, the, the fact that not the middle sex go head-to-head tomorrow at Grantham will be really, really interesting because you've got two quality teams battling it out there. But now I think on the basis of Eskinaldi, I'm going to go for Middlesex this week. Fair enough, Matt. I can respect that. And you mentioned the Middlesex man's name at 384 runs in three matches. That's an average of 192 in list A cricket. He is leagues above anybody else in this year's Royal London One Day Cup so far. In second place, is Kent Ollie Robinson on 278 runs. So Stephen Eskenazi really is a potent and key piece of that Saxes batting lineup. And obviously for the Middlesex fans, hoping that he will be able to keep up this hot streak and this purple patch heading into the rest of this year's tournament. I would also agree, actually, Matt. I've also gone with, with, uh, with Middlesex, but I just wanted to give a bit of mention to Sussex as well. Sussex, a very young side. They are supplemented by the experience of Chiteshwa Pajara and Tom Alsop. But I think they look like a real outfit. I think they could be dark horses for this year's competition. So just a shout out to the Sharks as well. Must say, been very impressed with those two names in particular. And Aristides Carvelas, the Greek warrior. One of our favourites here on the Counter Cricket Podcast. Used to, to via his trade at Nolan Dorridge Cricket Club near me here in, in Shakespeare's County. He is having a fantastic time of it so far. Nine wickets for the for the southern side. So, yeah, just wanted to give Sussex a, a mention as well. I thought they deserved it for this week's show. But talking of Sussex, Middlesex, Knotts, Warwickshire, Gloucestershire, let's have a look at the table for Group A at the end of week one. So currently top of the table are Nottinghamshire on four points. In second, third, fourth and fifth respectively, also all on four points, are Sussex, Middlesex, Gloucestershire and Leicestershire. In 6th and 7th, on three points apiece, are Warwickshire and Surrey. Warwickshire having two games in hand over the team below them. In 8th, are Durham on two points. And in ninth and bottom place, having won zero of their first three games, are Somerset County Cricket Club on zero points. So Group A looking very competitive indeed. Still early days. Most teams have played three matches. But I'll tell you what, I do think we're in for quite a gripping conclusion to Group A heading into the next couple of weeks or so in this year's One Day Cup. But aside from Group A then, Matt, let's head swiftly to Group B. And let's talk about standout batting displays. And let's be completely honest, Matt, there's only one place we can start, isn't there really? And that is, of course, New Road. 
where Ollie Robinson, the man we mentioned just a minute ago, racked up an unbelievable 206 not outs from 131 balls against Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Now, just to give this to them some context before I get your thoughts on this, Matt, this is unsurprisingly the highest list day score in Kent's entire history. This eclipsed the previous best total of 150, which was set by Joe Denley in 2018, and it's also the first ever double century in the Royal London One Day Cup since its inception in 2014. Now, this colossal effort from Ollie Robinson included 27 fours and six sixes, 33 boundaries over the course of this batting masterclass from the Kent wicketkeeper. Matt, a few words, if you can, not just on the knock itself, but also the rise of Ollie Robinson. He's a very interesting prospect, isn't he, for the Southern County? He really is, yeah. And the fact that, um, okay, I'll be completely honest, when I saw the name Ollie Robinson at, at first, I uh, yeah, I did, I did get him confused with the England bowler. Um, not not an ideal, uh, not an ideal position to be in, but I did. Um, but no, he is very, very much his own player, isn't he? And He's come right through Kent's system. He's another one of those homegrown right right the way through to the first team, which is always really, really good to see. He's earned his chance and now he's taken it. And that knock, I think I think that was the culmination of all that development. You know, he's been sent out on loan, he's played his school school cricket, he's played his academy grade cricket, all with the goal of reaching the first team in mind. And look at what you can do, you know, look at the sheer talent that's on display when you do do that. Um, New Road, yes, one of the smaller grounds on the show, but again, you know, those differences are negligible, really they are, and, you know, you've still got to send the ball a long way, and you've still got to be able to hit with power to send it to the boundary with as much regularity as he did. And I think one of the big things I, you know, that's quite almost notable about a double century in any form of, and you know, I'll say white ball cricket. You know, not that anyone's got a double century in T Twenty, but the fact that you know you've you've got to be not only have you got to be in for long enough to to score, you've you've got to make sure you face enough ball to score. You know that when there's only three hundred ball for the entire team to face, you know, even if you face half of those, you've still scored at a rate, a, a really impressive strike rate. So to be able to rotate the strike and get yourself facing as much as possible and that that cricketing intelligence to be able to rotate and pick the gaps in the field alongside with striking the boundaries when you need to that says a lot and I think that is really kind of beyond his years given you know he's only he is only 23 dot on I think that's really quite impressive to, to show that and I think as well as obviously the talent that's on display the intelligence that's hidden up, up in his brain, that will serve him very, very well in years to come. It most certainly will, Matt. And Ollie's a really nice guy as well. I must say, he was one of our early guests here on the podcast. Wonderful, wonderful to have on the County Cricket Podcast and delighted, obviously, to see him performing so well for his home county. And it's funny you mention, actually, about the way in which he set up about this innings, rotating the strike, taking the onus on himself as the innings progressed. This was a monster run chase from Kent. We can't just gloss over that. They chased down 352 runs within just 44.5 overs. This was a mammoth knock on what seemed like a very, very tough task ahead. So Ollie Robinson deserves an immense amount of plaudits. I thought he was outstanding. And just someone else from that particular game, 
before we talk about maybe some honourable mentions in terms of the bat in hand, Kashif Ali. Kashif Ali really is a very, very bright prospect. It's been a tough season for Worcestershire. We might touch upon that in either another one of these shows or indeed the County Championship Review show. But he looks like a serious talent. He's got a lot of shot selection. He can absolutely dispatch you on the offside. He can clobber you on the leg side as well. He's got such an incredible plethora of shots at his disposal. And again, he just looks mature beyond his years. This kind of competition for Kashif is perfect. He's got time at the crease. He's also got plenty of opportunities to score big runs against inexperienced bowling attacks. So Kashif Ali as well. Unfortunately, it did come in a losing cause, but made a list a century. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be the last that we see three figures next to Kashif Ali's name in county cricket over the next few years. But in terms of just one other batting display, Matt, I had to touch upon, which funny enough also involves another former guest here on the County Cricket Podcast and England's under-19 captain extraordinaire, a certain Tom Press. 181 from 138 balls against Kent in Beckenham. This was a masterclass. It really was Hampshire's highest ever list A total as well. Might I just add, the Southern County, who in theory are still on track for the domestic treble. I'll whisper that very, very quietly, but they can still win the championship and the Royal London One Day Cup. But they amassed 396 for five and won the game by 163 runs. So Tom Prest, take a bow, outstanding knock, very talented young cricketer. And again, just as the case with both Ollie Robinson and Kashif Ali, I do think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this guy heading into not only the rest of 2022, but of course the years that follow as well, heading into the rest of this decade. But aside from batting displays then, Matt, let's have a look at our standout bowling displays for the week. And before I mention mine, actually, Matt, I'm going to flip the script a little bit. Who have you gone with as your standout bowling display for the first week of fixtures in Group B? Well, it's to be honest, it might not be what you're expecting, actually. And if we're so if we're throwing maybe you know names, uh, if you're doing doing a little bit of name dropping, I'm actually going to go with Ian Holland. So yeah, I, that might take a bit of justification. But three three wickets in ten overs, seventeen runs, three for seventeen in ten overs. Now that amount of control and that's such a low economy rate is just. I think you know to 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 bowl like that continuously over ten overs is really really impressive, and I think the three wickets is almost a kind of you know a little bit of a side attraction really because if you bowl you know I, I would I would rather see somebody bowl ten overs non for seventeen than bowl ten overs five for seventy for example because runs are so important if you can put the brakes on like that and you know tie down an end and soak up all that you know exert all that pressure onto the batting side and soak up anything that they might be trying to put on you that's really really impressive and the fact that he just you know he's not a you know he's in the Hampshire Red Bull team as an opening bat he's not any sort of you know he doesn't you know he doesn't focus solely on his bowling so to do that as an all-rounder I think that kind of shows his value to the team and yes I've been I've been fortunate enough to to interview Ian. I know you guys have as well. I know you have as well, haven't you? Actually, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's definitely got an interesting tale to tell. Um, American international with an accent 
somewhere around Melbourne. It's definitely, yeah, yeah, a, a tale that's, uh, that's worth telling. But no, I just think that, almost purely for that economy rate, is really, really impressive. Fair enough, Matt. I, I like that shouts. I really do. And obviously, again, Dutchy, lovely guest, lovely bloke. Currently, he's playing for America as well. So, yeah, he's done very well for himself as the Hampshire rounder. And yeah, as you said, a very, very nice bowling display indeed for the Southern County this week. I've gone slightly different. Okay, in terms of my honourable mention first, I've gone with Will Williams for his 4 for 20 against Derbyshire. Yes, he bowled very well. Again, I could list off a bunch of adjectives about how excellently he bowled, but I just want to say he's been a brilliant signing, hasn't he? In red ball crickets, he's been potent, so lethal, so dangerous with the red ball, in particular with that in-swinger that he possesses. And he's just transferred that form almost seamlessly, pardon the pun, into white ball cricket for the Red Rose. So, Will Williams, again, someone to watch out for. Lanks have signed him up until 2025. Yeah, I do think he is going to be a key member for the Red Rose for the next few years in the county circuit across formats. But in terms of my particular bowling display for this week, Nathan Buck, 5 for 59, career best, list A figures. And to be honest, I was delighted for him and delighted for North Ants as well because it has been a little bit of a a rough season. I suppose for the East Midlands County, the T20 Blast went horribly wrong in the business end, then in the championship. They've been getting some some results here and there. They're currently plodding along in mid-table. But I thought this three-wicket victory against North Ants was massive. And in particular, Nathan Buck was outstanding 5 for 59 in a high-scoring game and then also was there at the crease, scoring 10 from 2 to win the game for the East Midlands side. I just thought I'd give Buckaroo a little bit of a mention on this week's podcast. We don't seem to have mentioned him much in 2022, but this is definitely worthy of a mention on this week's podcast. So very well bowled, Nathan. I must say I was very impressed, personally speaking. But Matt, aside from our individual displays then, let's go on to the under-23 player of the week for Group B. Who on earth have you selected? Because there's a lot of options again in this group. We've already mentioned about three or four of them. We, we really have, haven't we? Yeah, and again, just how, how many options there are uh, to, to pick from. But no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Tom Prest. Maybe I don't know that that's kind of fueled by a desire to not pick the one that everyone thought. You know, that, that thought we'd mention, uh, and to, to, to give a little bit of variety for you as well. But I, yeah, I'm going to go for Tom Press. And I, and I think the, the way that he plays is so pleasing on the iron. It's so good to watch that he, he's just, you can tell straight away that he's going to be an England cricketer of the future. You, you can just, when, whenever you watch him, you can just, oh, he's going, he's, he's going on to it. He's going on to bigger and better things. He absolutely will. And I think that way of just, when, when you can tell that at such a young age, that's just, worth everything isn't it and his performance that he put in there uh, you know 180 plus I mean I mentioned obviously the, we'll come on to Ollie Robinson but the, the, the mention there of being able to sort of just use that intelligence and pick your gaps in order to keep yourself on strike for long enough to score those big runs is really really impressive so yeah I think we're gonna, I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go for, uh, for Tom Press. Well, I'm a big fan of that shout, obviously, Matt. Again, Tom, we had him on the podcast just after the Under-19 World Cup. Lovely fella and a very, very talented cricketer indeed. But I'm surprised, actually, that he was your pick for this week, given the fact that Harry Duke did score a ton, didn't he? And has also scored over 200 runs 
in his first four matches. Was he not in the in the mix this week? He, he definitely was in the mix. The this is, this is probably a little bit judgmental, but the, the almost the, the slight issue I've got with Harry Duke is how he's very very overcoached in my book. He's he's not really had the opportunity to go out and play. You know, I've not seen him in any club cricket. I've not seen him in any sort of you know build game situation. He's he's just been constant like in the Yorkshire academies. He's, he's all the way through, and I'm just a little bit. I think that potentially when push comes to shove, as indeed has happened in the championship, he might struggle fractionally. I just think he needs he's needed that game time. And he's, yes, he's getting that in this competition, but he's not getting it against the very best. And I do think that that could prove to be a little bit of a tough one. Yes, he's in form this week. And I suppose, you know, as, as the under-23 player of, of the week, he's definitely in with a shout. But I, I just think, like, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe it's judgmental. I'm just not sure enough. And when you're asking me to pick one name, Tom Press gets in ahead of him, I'm afraid. Crikey, tough crowd this week, eh? Very. Very tough crowd, Matt. But as you've said that, as is almost podcast tradition, he'll go on and score a big ton after this. It always well. happens. So maybe, there you go. That might be good for yourself as a Yorkshire fan when he inevitably scores a big ton I in this week's no. round of fixtures. Well, Exactly, yeah. That's what, what I try and do all the time with Warwickshire as well. Fortunately, it didn't happen this week, but who knows? Maybe round two, that could be the week where it finally does come true. But It'll aside from Tom Press, <laughs> and it's already begun. <laughs> For those who don't know, remind me, Matt, what's the game on Wednesday, the 17th of August? Oh, the um, oh yes, it's Nottinghamshire visiting Edbiston, isn't it? It is, but unfortunately, the weather looks like it might play spoil oh, sports. Yeah. Oh, no. We'll have to wait and see, but fortunately... For my under-23 player this week, the weather wasn't playing spoil sport because it was beautiful, wasn't it, at New Road? Ollie Robinson, I've got to choose him. I know it's very cheeky. He is 23 years of old, so you can argue, is he under 23? He's, he is on the cusp, but yeah, I was just delighted to see him produce a knock like that. He is Kent through and through. He absolutely loves that club to bits and pieces. And for his name to be at the very top the pinnacle, the creme de la creme of Kent's individual high scorers in list A cricket, I thought was a wonderful moment for a very, very hard-working cricketer. So, Ollie Robinson is my choice. I love the pick of Tom Prest. I was also very impressed with Harry Duke this week and Kashif Ali as well. We haven't really had a a lack of, of, of names really this week. We've had lots of choice, plenty of variety. It is very difficult, actually, to select just one name for that category, but... I'm going to go with with OG, Ollie Robinson. He's my pick for the first week of fixtures in Group B. But Matt, before we move on and have a look at the Group B table at the end of this first week of fixtures, we do, of course, have our fourth and final category, which is Team of the Week. Now, I'm just going to go out there and say, for me, it's Lancashire. Lancs have been outstanding, haven't they? First four games, they're unbeaten. They look incredibly clinical with both the bat and the ball in hand. They've got a healthy net run rate as well, which, as we all know, in competitions like these, is very helpful towards the business end. You're shaking your head, Matt. Would you disagree with that? I know it might pain you as a Yorkshire fan, but can you justify not selecting Lanks this week? Maybe Hampshire, actually, could be up there for you personally. 
I'm really glad that you said that right at the end there because it means that uh, I'm going to have at least got a little bit of support. Yeah, um, I, I know, I know, not picking York, not picking Lancashire for the Yorkshire connection. It's spiteful, it's ridiculous. But no, I am actually going to pick Hampshire. Now, I know it's tough on Lancashire because the reason they haven't won all their games is because the other one was rained off. So in theory, you know, you could say they're four out of four. And yes, you're absolutely right. They do look really, really good. But I am going to pick Hampshire. The net run rate, like, like you say, you know, you mentioned net run rate there. It's almost double what Lancashire's is. You know, they've come into, they've gone into three, three matches and they've come out with three comprehensive wins. It, they've, you know, they've, they've got Crest amongst the lineup. They've got a really, really solid Ian Holland again. There you go. There's a, there's a lot of Hampshire loving going on from, uh, from this side of the room, isn't there? But no, it's just, I think, as good as they look and, you know, the, the fact that, how comprehensive their wins have been as well. I think it's definitely, I mean, when they meet Lancashire, it's definitely going to be um, irresistible force meets the immovable object, isn't it? You know, the massive explosion probably. But yeah, I am going to go for Hampshire. Um, just, just based on that sort of level of dominance that they've shown. Um, and look what they've had with the weather. <laughs> well, they have had lovely weather. And I must say as well, I love outground cricket. Wasn't the Isle of Wight looking like a picture as well? New close cricket ground must go there one day. I think it's in a natural bowl as well. Had a really good crowd, and yeah, obviously, as you mentioned, a very comprehensive victory for Hampshire. Just look unstoppable. And you know, we mentioned it all the time in the county championship the prolific nature of the seam attack. Someone who we didn't actually mention, but I will just give a quick shout out to is Jack Campbell, young seam bowler released by Durham, picked up by Hampshire. He has just adapted, he's taken to it like a duck to water. Really, really impressed with him so far. So, Hampshire and Lanks, as you said, Matt, that is going to be a blockbuster clash, to say the very least. Could well be the match which does see one of those counties at the top of Group B come the end of the group stage. And talking of the group stage tables then, let's have a look at Group B at the end of Round 1. Lancashire are currently top of the Group B table on seven points. In second and third, respectively, both on six points apiece are Hampshire and Yorkshire. In fourth on four points are Glamorgan. In fifth, sixth and seventh place, all of these sides on two points apiece are Northamptonshire, Derbyshire, Kent. Then in eighth place are Essex on one point. And in ninth place, with zero wins out of three and struggling yet again in this year's competition, are Worcestershire County Cricket Club on zero points. So that is essentially it for today's show, to be honest. It's been a bit of a bumper episode. It is the first week of fixtures in this year's Royal London One Day Cup. In my opinion, I think it's been a very good start. We've seen some excellent matches. That game between Somerset and Durham and Taunton was an incredible clash. The tie between Surrey and Warwickshire, instant classic. Ollie Robinson scoring a double ton. We have not been short for conversation points for this week's show. So that's a very good sign heading into the rest of this year's Royal London One Day Cup. But Matt, before we go, any final words, anything to plug or promote, social media channels, websites, anything like that, mate? Nothing for me, mate. No, just to say thank you once again for having me on. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we're just hoping for, you know, some, some of the counties almost halfway through the group stage are now hoping for a similarly good, you know, week two, week three and onwards. They most certainly are. And fingers crossed that the weather does keep away. I have seen the forecast for next week. It doesn't look brilliant across the country, but... Who knows, forecasts sometimes can be wrong. And we here at the Cows Cricket Podcast obviously want the rain to stay away for just that extra week 
We just want to see some cricket being played in this year's One Day Cup, but again, only time will tell. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counts Cricket Podcast for this week's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.